When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Before we start the show, I want to talk about some ways that you can support me and the show at the same time. So podcasting as a medium has grown rapidly. The problem is it's being taken over by corporations, celebrities, and huge podcast networks. This makes it harder to stand out for the small guy. And this is an independent show and it's just me running things. But with patreon.com, this is a way for you to support the show, but also get some bonus content while you're at it. It starts for as little as two bucks a month. From there, there are various tiers, each one that comes with its own bonuses. For example, at the Boba Fett level, you get access to the Everything 80s Movie Review Show, where I look back at the good, the bad, and the ugly of 1980s movies. So if you want to learn more, just head over to patreon.com slash 80s to see what's available. So whatever you're listening on right now, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, there will be a link. Uh, in the description of the show, but it's patreon.com slash 80s. So just slash 80s. Okay, now back to the show. Today on the Everything 80s podcast, the story of the far side, the funniest comic strip ever made. Hey there, what's happening? Welcome back to the Everything 80s Podcast. I'm Jamie. Thanks for coming on out. It was bizarre, irreverent, creative, sometimes offensive, and funny as hell. And for a kid like me growing up in the 80s, it was a comic strip right up my alley. The Far Side was a comic strip that appeared from 1979 to 1995, created by Gary Larson. It is one of the most famous comic strips of all time and appeared in over 1,900 different newspapers around the world while also selling over 45 million copies so that will be the focus of today's show before we start if you haven't already make sure you subscribe wherever you find your podcast i should be there okay here we go so i can't begin to explain what a profound effect the farsight had on me as a kid you know like any great works or whatever entertainment it felt like it was made just for me I couldn't believe there was a comic strip out there that appealed to my sensibilities and my sense of humor. With all due respect to some of the other great comic strips out there, I believe The Far Side left them all in its dust. The Far Side comic strip was a huge part of the 80s, and it would be the favorite comic strip of many, many people. There are a lot that would immediately check it out when they got their paper each day before even reading anything else. So we're going to look back at Gary Larson and the creation of his brilliant comic strip, The Far Side. So let's look at Gary Larson himself before The Far Side. He was born in 1950 in Tacoma, Washington. His father was a car salesman and his mother was a secretary. He grew up with a great fascination with animals while also developing a slightly 
dark sense of humor. He had a real fondness for animals, and one of his main interests, he states, was to put two different kinds of insects in a jar to see which one would devour the other. He studied communications in college, but also had aspirations of being a biologist. But he was also a musician playing jazz guitar and banjo throughout high school and college. Among other things that influenced him growing up was a storybook called Mr. Bear Squash You All Flat, which is a real book, which is about a bear that goes around a forest sitting on and squashing the houses of smaller animals. Larson grew up with what he called a morbid family and was constantly tormented by his older brother, Dan. Dan would constantly fill him full of fear at the prospect of monsters living in their house and specifically under his bed and in his closet. This theme would show up quite often within the Farside comic. Larson admits to having been uh, been terrified of the dark, and his greatest fear was being asked to go into the basement to get firewood for his father. Larson tells the story in an interview on ABC's 2020 with Lynn Sher that he would be halfway up the stairs when the lights would go out. It was was his brother at the top of them who would turn them off and then hold the door closed shut while telling, Gary, do you hear it? Do you hear it breathing? Larson's interest in animals and biology would continue throughout his childhood, and his love of scientific knowledge was nurtured, actually, by his brother. They would often catch animals and reptiles and build their own terrariums in their basement. At this young age, Larson began to become protective of the environment, knowing that mankind was not the ideal tenant for animals to share this earth with. So let's set the stage for the Fireside comic here. Larson's childhood fears, his interest in science, his love of animals, and a dark sense of humor would help shape what would become the Fireside comic, but he didn't start out with it initially. As he went through his formative years, he noticed how much the world was changing. As a kid growing up in the 50s, he was aware of how people had gone from Leave It to Beaver to thinking they needed bomb shelters. Things like the Cuban Missile Crisis were occurring, and there was the thought that the world may end any minute. While this was going on, Larson was working in a music store, but realized he hated it. Somehow, the idea of cartooning came into his head, and he thought he would give it a try. He explains in his book, The Prehistory of the Far Side, that he started with six cartoons and submitted them to a magazine called Pacific Search, based in Seattle. The original strip was called Nature's Way and appeared in 1976. He was paid $90 for the six strips, and it encouraged him that this could be a good way to make some money. He then started submitting cartoons to a newspaper called the Summer News Review, and they were paying him $3 a cartoon. This took the wind out of his sails a bit, as he obviously couldn't live on that type of money. He ended up taking a job at a humane society to make ends meet, but he admits to running over a dog on the way to the interview. He ironically would have the job as cruelty investigator at the Humane Society. So here's the next step. It's 1979, and Larson befriends a reporter from the Seattle Times who helped get Nature's Way published. The problem was Larson's comics were a bit on the offensive side, and his strip was placed next to the Junior Jumble. This started getting a lot of complaints, leading to the Times canceling the strip in 1980. Just before this, however, Larson began pitching his comic to other newspapers, including the San Francisco Chronicle, while he was on vacation there. The Chronicle bought the strip, and wanted to use it for syndication. Larson admits to being so pumped after leaving the meeting that he imagined Eye of the Tiger playing in his head and said he was lucky not to have been hit by a car. The San Francisco Chronicle had one issue, and that was with the name Nature's Way, which they changed to the far side. Larson says he couldn't care less what it was called and said in the prehistory of the far side, they could have called it Revenge of the Zucchini People for All I Cared. The Chronicle first debuted the far side on January 1st, 1980, which worked out as the Seattle Times would drop Nature's Way the next week. 
So the cartoons up and running. And what is it that makes the far side so funny? Uh, it's in, in cases is all brand new to you. You're going to have to just look up far side, um, cartoons online and get an idea, but I'm assuming you'll know basically what I'm talking about. You might be a fan. You might not even have liked it, but a lot of people did. And a lot of people found it the funniest comic ever made. And it, it's hard to pinpoint why it's so funny, but I think it's a combination of a few things. The first big one I believe is that it was a single panel comic. The entire joke has to take place right in front of you. This allows for a more creative strip that makes you think and unfold jokes as you see it. Compare this to a three or four panel comic strip with this style of setup, like say Charlie Brown, for example, each panel is used to set up the joke and the final one results with the obvious punchline, you know, symbol crash. With the far side, the joke is revealed through the imagery and text. The other thing is how he takes us into the life of animals, but shows us how they exist the same way we do. They go about their day as it's no different to you and me, and they're living the same existence, so it's easy to buy into their reality. It also points out the absurdity of the human condition and the structures and rules of society that we've put in place. Larson points out how we are really no different from the animals. There's also the absurdity of the look of the comic. The far side is not an artistic masterpiece, and some of the drawings can be straight crude at times, but this lends itself well to the humor. Sometimes the drawings exist just as a placeholder to get the joke across, which is the ultimate intent of any comic strip. The far side has a signature look with how people are portrayed, including their single straight line to represent the eyes. Back when I thought I could draw, I would always try to incorporate some of this look into my own comics and cartoons. So this is interesting now looking at, obviously this is a massively successful comic, but this is a look at Larson's fear of the success of the far side. When it was really taking off in the 80s, a lot of this immediate success was catching Gary Larson off guard. He was not on board with all the publicity that was surrounding him. Everyone wanted to know more about the man behind the strip and what really made him tick. This was the double-edged sort of success. The strip was reaching a vast audience and bringing in bringing Larson a ton of money, but it was starting to go in the opposite direction. The enormous success of the far side was now lending itself towards uh, merchandising and promotional materials everywhere. If you remember, if you grew up in the 80s, Farside merch was everywhere. The book was one thing where they just compiled all the comics, but they you remember everywhere there was greeting cards, coffee mugs, calendars, t-shirts. It was abundant. Larson would share in that 2020 interview that the only thing that really scared him was the merchandising monster. He was worried that the commercialism surrounding the Farside would destroy the essence of the Farside along with the very special rapport he had built with his audience. He didn't want the people who were loyal to him and the comic to start thinking that the far side was becoming too mainstream. This is always an issue with anyone who gets successful, <clears throat> whether it's bands, um, artists, comic, whatever. How do you keep it growing, but still keep it true to the original audience to help you get there? Larson did draw the line at having far side plush dolls, though, produced, which is, uh, he said he was adamant on the far side would never be in doll form, even though I think that eventually did happen without his consent, of course. So let's look at the big contribution that far side, that the far side and Gary Larson had to the world of science. And, you know, if I've read his, his books and his autobiographies and relayed some of this message here about, you know, his deep involvement with science and his connection to the living world. 
And it's a major influence on the strip. And many of the classic comics are all science-based. And, you know, he's trying to appeal to a little more intellectual crowd and people that appreciate science and things like that. Um, he, he wanted to share this without ever having to dumb anything down. And I think that resonated with a lot of people. He famously parried, um, parodied Jane Goodall in his strip. Um, he connected very well with those in the scientific community. In his book, The Farside Gallery 3, the foreword was written by famous scientist and head of the Museum of Comparative Biology at Harvard, Stephen Jay Gould. Gould makes note how hallways of science labs and universities were now displaying Farside cartoons on their bulletin boards. Gould figures that 80% of his colleagues' doors featured a Farside cartoon on it. They considered Larson the natural humorist of natural history. I mean, just talking about some of the, the deep science that's included in the strip over the years, he's made jokes about zoology, embryology, evolution, astronomy, biology, anthropology, chemistry. He's covered everything, and science has rewarded him back. In March 1989, a new type of insect was discovered by Dale H. Clayton, head of the Committee of Evolutionary Biology at the University of Chicago. The insect was a type of louse that was commonly found on owls, and it was named after Larson. The new species of insect was called, and I'll have trouble saying this, Strigophilus gary larsoni, or gary larsoni. And it didn't stop there. A new species of butterfly found in Ecuador was named after Larson as the Ceroterga Larsoni. There's also a beetle called the Gary Larsonus, and part of the Stegosaurus anatomy is now known as the Thagomizer, which is based on one of his cartoons too. So let's look at uh, a little more on the future of the far side and where it eventually went to, because it hasn't been around for a while, but it sort of popped up. I'll get to that in a second. The last Farside comic appeared on January 1st, 1995, when Larson stepped away from it and seemingly retired. Larson felt the strip had run its course and he didn't want it to get into repetition. He also stepped away from any appearances or interviews and let the strip continue to run on. But there had always been the issue with the Farside and the internet. When Larson was getting set to retire, the internet was just in its infancy. Uh, no one was sure how this new innovation would impact society and what uses there may be for it. I mean, 95, it's just, I don't remember using the internet until I think it was 96, 97 was the first time wondering what the hell this thing was and actually getting to try it. So, I mean, still very new in the world. And again, no one knowing what the applications to it will be. The far side always existed as a physical medium through newspapers and books, but now there was this whole digital online world. The problem now was that anyone with a scanner could, if you can remember scanners, depending on how old you are, kids, you might have to ask your parents, if you had a scanner, you could just copy Farside cartoons and put them up on the internet anywhere without any consent from Gary Larson. Larson worked to thwart the unapproved spread of his work, which was one of the big things happening in the early days of the internet was the spread of Farside cartoons, among other things, but that was a big one. Um, and he's trying to get, said thwart the unapproved spread of his work, which was on 
so many different what well, I remember this very specifically now as I was looking back the amount of Farsight specific websites and it was tougher to have websites load images and graphics but a black and white cartoon worked pretty well so basically this is all happening without his permission he would send out takedown notices and end up publishing an open letter online stating his personal work was now being taken control of by others and was now becoming impossible to manage and was one of the big reasons behind his retirement and stepping away from the strip. The far side, though, seemed destined for an official website, but that never happened until it did. Gary Larson finally gave the world what they wanted with the official Fireside website, which came out just a year or two ago now, like not too long. The site takes back control of the comic and allows Larson to connect with his audience. It also allows him to put out new work and, um, you know, dig into his old sketchbooks and show some rough ideas that maybe never completely fleshed out. If you go to the website, there's a personal letter from Larson on there explaining his decision to now take things digital along with, you know, information about the site too. It's got his bio, a section devoted um, to some of those early comics, uh, thing ones that didn't make the cut, um, expanded versions of ones you may know. And then there's a different comic featured every day. There is a curated comic section and an online store where now you can buy a lot of the old classic books. So the website is just thefarside.com and it's just an absolute treasure trove of everything to do with the comic, the books, Gary Larson himself. Even if you're like remotely interested in the far side, you could just spend hours on this thing uh, going back through the vast history and all the amazing classic comics and then all the new stuff too. So I'll start winding it down here, but in case you haven't noticed, I love the far side. It not only spoke to my sensibilities, but reassured me that I wasn't the only one who had a certain sense of humor. Like you probably experienced, there are dozens of comics that I would, if you were a fan, like I'd physically be hurting from laughing and i can't remember any other comic strips doing the same thing um you know some would maybe make you chuckle at best but this would actually make you physically laugh out loud um again speaking for myself but then a lot of millions of other people that did too as great as many of the classic comic strips are they were just they were more amusing if anything um i think it was unique to find a comic strip that could make you like like almost like not, not hurt from laughter but i remember specific times like actually almost like crying laughing at some of these things i can't believe they sort of resonated with me that much and maybe they did with you too i would spend hours reading those books um if i had any money any spare money I, I could save up. I would use them to buy more of those far side big comic um, sort of specials, like the annuals or whatever you want to call them. You know, other kids would, you know, not that I wasn't saving money for video games or sports cards or whatever, but I was the only one I think I knew that would save money to buy far side books. I think Stephen King summed it up best when he wrote the forward for the Far Side Gallery 2. And I'll finish with this here. So this is from the horror master himself. He says, you start smiling, then you're grinning. Then you start to giggle. Then you start to laugh. Then you begin to howl. 
Finally, you're lying on the floor hoping to God you won't have a hernia or a heart attack, telling yourself to stop. For God's sake, stop looking at them. But you go along just the same because he's drawn you into a unique Larsonian world where deer talk with oddly persuasive matter-of-factness, where Godzillas drive a Plymouth while, uh, with a license plate reading, I ate New York. One arm cocked out the window, smiling grimly, where a crazed flea marches through hairs the size of sequoias, holding up a sign which reads, The end of the dog is coming. It's all insane, but you can't stop. So perfectly sums up the far side. Um, hopefully you're a fan. Hopefully you like this episode. Again, check out thefarside.com in case this was all new to you or you haven't thought about the far side in years, you can go back and relive it and just see how great this thing really was. But thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for taking the time uh, to listen to this topic today. I know there's so many different podcasts out there. So the fact you're here listening to this one means a lot, but I will be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.